I'm B. And I'm B. And, and this, this is Homestead Happenings. Happenings. Where every week we bring you along on our journey to self-sufficiency. And bring you exclusive interviews on all things Homestead from people around the world. So hit subscribe and follow along with us. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's go. I'm V, and today we are here with Katie from Quarter Acre Homestead, and this is going to be part two of small um, homesteads, and not only small, but also urban, so I guess it's a two-for-one special today, and also another unique thing is that they are a young family, so there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to cover here, and I'm very excited about it. If you're not already, she has social media that you can follow, and I'm very excited to be following. I've been following. It's an awesome journey to see, especially someone who's not been doing it very long. You can watch everything evolve. It's fantastic. So hopefully everybody will stick around to the end because I have some announcements to make there at the end, but thank you for being with us today, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. So tell us about you and how you got started with homesteading, but also um, what what piqued that that interest ever before? Um, so I, like you said, I am very young. I just turned 25 a couple of weeks ago, um, and my husband will be 30 in September, so we're pretty young. Um. I, I guess I would say that I really started homesteading when I was pregnant. Actually, it was right before I got pregnant. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was very young. And then I kind of, you know, we all go down the rabbit hole, I feel like, where we learn about the toxic fragrances and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I really wanted to transition into more of a holistic lifestyle and just knowing where my food came from and stuff like that. So... Which I will say that um, there's some other people who um, are doing this lifestyle who have similar things. And she's got PCOS too. And she's not been too vocal about it. But now she's starting to get more vocal about it. So I'll have to connect you you guys. Um, and we're pretty young too, actually. People think we're a lot older than we are just because of what I do or what I've done. But actually we are only in our early thirties too. Okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I will be, uh, it's going to cut me right in the heart, but I'm going to be 32 this year. Okay. I was, I tried to be 25 for like six years <laughs> and it didn't work. And, um, he'll be 33. So, I mean, we are not that old. We just have, yeah, no, we got thrown into a lot of life very early. So that's why it seems like, oh, well, you've done all these things. Well, we started much earlier than some other people didn't have the liberty to do some things. So, but yeah, we're not that old either. So a lot of people, you know, they've been talking and one lady, she thought I was like 45. I was like, no, but I hear your 40s are the best decades, so. I'm looking right. forward to that, I guess. So, are you? Did you start homesteading just wherever you lived, or did you? Yeah. Did you buy something? Nope. We just started where we lived. We bought our property in 2019. Um, so we bought this house in summer of 2019. So it was kind of too late to really put out a garden or anything like that. But we did get chickens in early 2020, just like I feel like a ton of people did. You know, during COVID, we got our first set of chickens, um, and I did container gardening. So I had, like, five-gallon buckets of tomatoes and zucchini, green beans, lettuce, just little stuff like that, making use of what I could. Um, and then it just escalated from there. As it does. <laughs> One minute, you're like, oh, I'm going to plant a couple things, and then the next minute, you're like, well, I've overdone it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and you had a pretty successful um, gardening year though. I mean, did you, yeah. um, I was reading into some of your notes and you grew a year's supply of your tomatoes, p 
peppers, green beans, and pickles. Yes, I did. That's what I did last year. We just had a 15-foot by 20-foot, give or take, plot in our backyard. We have much more room that we could garden on, but the property next to us has these three huge trees that just shades almost our whole backyard. So we just are working with a little bit of sun that we have. And yeah, I would say, granted, we are only a family of two and a half. (laughs) My daughter, she doesn't eat a ton of that kind of stuff yet. But yeah, I was able to grow enough tomatoes to put back like homemade rotel and pasta sauce, pizza sauce. I, I literally have not bought tomato products or green beans or peppers or pickles all year, which is incredible. And I still have honestly a ton of pasta sauce that I was like, maybe I don't need to plant quite as many tomato plants this year. Well, I definitely probably actually would plant them this year for sure, because I'm, we're going to drought hard this year for, for those that don't know, um, Katie is not too far from me, so I can say that, but yeah, it's going to be miserable. We should be soaked right now. And we are not, and I am worried about it. <laughs> so, me and my husband were just talking about that. The five gallon buckets are fantastic, though. I think that people really dismiss them. I've done um, five gallon buckets, feed sacks, laundry bags, laundry baskets, grow bags. Uh, I mean, if it can hold soil, I'll put soil in it. <laughs> And they were fantastic. The one thing I will say is I didn't really care for the five-gallon buckets for my potatoes. A lot of people had great luck with that. But I seem to only have really good luck with potatoes in the ground or in a raised bed. I'm not I'm not really sure why. <laughs> I've done a ton of trials, tons of experiments, tons of different ways. And those just seem to be my... Now, not that they're unsuccessful. Just that they're... Not as successful as they could be for something else. Um, But otherwise, I love the buckets. Um, Now, have you started everything by seed or you did plants? Um, We started everything by seed last year and this year as well. So. That's, and that's a huge undertaking too. So how have you been managing getting all that ready, having a toddler, being in town, loaded on space, and being pregnant. It has been tough. We So this year, if, if anyone goes and follows me on TikTok, they'll have to scroll back to where my daughter dumped all of my tomato starts. I had like 30, 35 tomato starts, and my daughter dumped them all on the floor in the time it took me to walk down to our chicken coop and get eggs and come back. So that was a huge setback this year. Um, but... I don't know. I really utilize nap time to try to get things started. And also I really get my daughter involved. Um, I think the best way for kids to learn obviously, and to get them involved in what they're eating is to get them involved in growing it or planting it or just learning the process of things. Well, and uh, to be honest with you, I would have cried. I think I, Oh my goodness. I (laughs) had a whole, I bawled my eyes out. I bawled my eyes out. And I would have tried to save some things, but I know from experience from my cats that it just can't always be saved. Because I surely did sit in my greenhouse and cry my eyes out when they dumped over all my whole uh, table full of starts last year. And then they got me again this year. Not with starts, but they knocked my incubator down. And I lost... All of my eggs in the incubator is like 41 and they were due to hatch three days later. It was so bad. So that I cried too. I was like, why do you hate me? Like, why are you doing this to me? So, you know, but there's a ton of stuff that you can do there in town, even on that size. I think it's just a common misconception when people say they need to get land or they need more, you know, and they really limit themselves while they're in town. I will say my opinion on it, and then I'd love to get your take. My opinion is, if you're able to have chickens, get them and get, you know, get your eggs going, learn how to incubate, learn how to, you know, do these things. Just if you can't have a rooster, that doesn't mean anything. You can still order the hatching eggs or get, you know, from anyone and then incubate them yourself. So then you're learning that skill. 
Um, if you can have a rooster, you can, you know, do that yourself. Some places you got to check, but sometimes it's like you can only have, let's say X amount of chickens full time and no one checks in their bylaws to see the loophole, which a lot of places have where you can raise meat birds because they're only going to be there for like, you know, six to eight weeks and they're in temporary tractors. You know, there was one lady I was talking to and they said that as long as she ordered all you know, she didn't do straight runs. She did like females or whatever. So they wouldn't be dealing with the, the crowing for, cause she wanted to do, she didn't want to do Cornish cross. She wanted to do the ones that grow out longer. So they made that, you know, exclusion for her or whatever I'm trying to say. And so that was an option. Meat rabbits, quail. And people were like, well, what about butchering? I mean, some of those things like quail, you could just do that in like the kitchen. Um, and the, and the rabbits and stuff like that, they don't require extra things. You could skin the chicken instead of pluck it. Um, you know, you could, you could do all these kind of things. Plus the gardening or starting your, your food forests or baking sourdough or all those things. <clears throat> so what is your opinion on that? Do you yearn for more property or do you say, Hey, we could do a lot of stuff here and sit in that contentness? I would say that I'm very, I'm content where we are, but also, but at the same time, I do yearn for more. Like knowing that I'm going to have a newborn this garden season and preserving season and a toddler, I'm very happy that we don't have a ton more just because I know that realistically, I don't know how I would handle it all by myself because my husband works um, quite a bit. So I am comfortable here now, but I do think once the girls get a little bit bigger that I, we would love to have like five acres I think would be perfect so that we could have maybe a dairy cow and some more chickens. But there is so much, like you said, that you can do while you're in town. Like I have taught myself how to like pressure can, water bath can, make sourdough. Um, and you touched on like bylaws and stuff in the city. And our city is very strict. They do have like a, we're not supposed to sell eggs for money. We're not allowed to butcher in our yard. We're only allowed nine chickens with no rooster, but they don't have anything about meat rabbits. So we are thinking about this fall starting meat rabbits. Um, they don't have anything about ducks. So we did just get two ducks last week. Um, but yeah, there are so many things you can learn on such a small scale that if you are able to get property later in life that you can apply and it's really easy to hone in your skills on a much smaller scale rather than having 50 projects on 10 acres that you kind of just give a little bit of your mind to rather than going all in and just perfecting it almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> a few things to that, um, meat rabbits, a lot of times there isn't anything on meat rabbits because there is a lot of stigma in the United States regarding rabbits being pets. So there is not, the regulations on them, like say a chicken, they are not considered livestock. Now, what's interesting is actually it's one of the number one meats in the world that is consumed, um, domestic and wild, as well as goat. But the United States has really made the, you know, they've really made those dwarf goats into like a pet thing. And it's like been like a dairy thing. So it's, it's really just like creating those things in the mind. So now you mentioned meat rabbits and people like want to burn you at the stake, but <clears throat> realistically over overseas, especially this is, this is something that they think is silly because to them, this is normal. So, but <clears throat> I've said it on this podcast before, and I will say it again, a trio of good quality meat rabbits provides more meat per year than having a whole cow butchered. Yes. And a lot of people think that that's madness, but the proof is in the numbers and they're easier to manage and you can control that. Now, <clears throat> the caveat to that is we have had a terrible breeding season and that's because we have had weather issues and rabbits don't do good um, breeding and being pregnant and birthing in those intense heats. 
And so you have to make accommodations. Well, lots of people can accommodate these easily, but especially in town. And rabbits being in that shaded area of your yard, you would not deal with this. That would be a perfect spot for them. Me, however, it is so hot and so humid and so sunny. And we're still working on the barn. We're still working on things. They struggle. And we are off grid. So having things like fans or things where you're in town, you can just plug it on in and we don't have the luxury of doing that. So there's things also, you know, you mentioned your garden and being over there in the shade and stuff. Lots of people listening, they have that issue with their neighbors. And so, yeah, things like rabbits or you know, your coops or your shade loving plants and all of your, you know, your brassicas and stuff like that. With those areas being able to utilize, it opens up space for other things. And so I think there's a lot of people who forget about their vertical space and they forget about, you know, just because they, they view the area as dead. And so they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And so it was awesome that you, you checked into all that stuff before being like, no, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. And touching on the vertical growing atmosphere, <clears throat> I grew, well, my beans that I bought were mislabeled. So I bought bush beans and they were, there was like a mix of everything. Oh. It was chaos. It was absolutely <laughs> chaos. <laughs> but I could have grown twice as much pole beans as I could bush beans in our garden so this year we got all pole beans hopefully hopefully we got all pole beans and uh hopefully I can almost double my green bean harvest that would be incredible <clears throat> you know I didn't grow any pole beans last year and that's because I was having some health things last year and I was just so I just stuck in my bush beans because they're pretty much a set and forget yep. um but you know, I was able to visit my friend and, um, if anybody listening is not already wild seven off grid homestead, she's on Instagram and Facebook and she used to be a photographer. So her pictures look way better than mine, <laughs> but, um, you know, she goes over these things and she's got some pictures of her bean tunnel from last year. That was so amazing. The entrance to her garden, you walk in through the bean tunnel, and then on the ground, she had boxes, and on, so the inside, she was growing greens, because they were shaded by the bean tunnel, and the outside of it is where the beans were growing up, and she grew the purple, I think it was the purple potted pole beans or something, and then she put that next to her hummingbird vine. The pops of color of the the pink and the red and the purple and the green and everything. And you're walking through it and the beans were just hanging down, almost touching you. Um, and she was just grabbing them off and they're a fresh, you can just eat it right there out of the garden. That feature is something I'm adding into my garden this year. That sounds incredible. I'll have to look that up. That yes. Awesome. I'm going to have to send it to you. It's something that's like creating those experiences in the garden is like, is everything. Do you have a sitting area in your garden? We do not, but our garden is just fenced in in our fenced in backyard. So I can sit right there next to the garden while my daughter plays and runs and like the chickens, they stick their head through the chicken wire and try to peck as whatever they can. But yeah, we really try to utilize all the sun we can in our little garden plot. So I didn't make a little sitting area, but like I said, our backyard is small enough that I can just sit right there. And you just get the full experience. Oh, I, it's lovely. I love it so much. Um, so you mentioned that you just got ducks. Ducks are loud. <laughs> um, did you, where did you put the ducks or how did they go into your, your space? So right now we actually have a little temporary run and coop setup that we actually raised our chicks in last year before we integrated them into our flock. So that's where they're at now. Um, and then we're just going to kind of see how they do when they get a little bit bigger. Cause right now they still have a heat lamp and stuff like that. So our plan is to just move them into the chicken coop cause we only have two of them and our chicken coop, um, is big enough to sustain all of them. Um, but then they'll free range with our chickens. And did you just get two hens then? Um, we actually don't know if they're boys or girls. They were unsexed. So 
it was just a uh, luck of the draw. You know, and some people, um, and I love ducks, love, 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 love ducks. And I love ducks more than chickens. I, no one can tell me anything negative about ducks. I can't hear it. I love them. The only downside is, you know, that the ducks, if they try to, male ducks, if they try to mate with your hens, they will kill them, um, due to the difference in parts. But you have a rooster, so that will help a little bit. But if you do get double drakes or something, you might have to, uh, deal with that. We have some chickens who have decided that they are ducks and they live with the ducks now. Can't get them out. They don't want to be out. They want to be in there. And I had two escapee chicks during my tiny chick revolt the other day. And now they live in there. So like four chickens over there. But those drakes do not mess with the chickens because we have all the duck hens as well. So, but that's just a heads up for anybody listening or you, you got to watch for that. Um, it's not as common of an issue as people make it out to be, but it can happen. Um, so in your space, is there, are you going to go with the pool method for the ducks or do you think you would do a small pond? Um, I think we will do pool method just just to be a little bit safer with our two little girls because they're still pretty little. And, um, and I think it's just easier to clean it out. We Right now we have like a little rubber trough for them. And I really underestimated how messy ducks are. I yeah. Really underestimated that. <laughs> well, they're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty gross. Well, we have jumbo peakings. Cayugas and Blue Swedish. But those peaking, they're like, they're just disgusting. But they always, they want to take their bath and then they want to be clean. But they want to ruin everything else in the process. Um, And we're going to get some more. I will say my most, like the thing I'm most excited for this year is that we are getting geese, a trio of geese and eight Muscovy ducks. Exciting. Yes, I'm very excited. I've waited for Muscovies for like three years. Finally got some, and they'll be here, I think, in June or maybe it's July, but I'm very excited about that. Um, so do you have any fruit trees or do you plant fruit or anything like that? We do not have any fruit trees. That is something. So, whenever we bought this property, we were like, this is just going to be our three year home. Um, then we ended up getting pregnant and I stayed home. So now that we're one income getting a bigger place right now, we're just trying to save ba- save money so that we can get a bigger place. Um, I think I might try to plant some fruit trees this fall since we are going to be here longer than we planned. But at the time of buying our house, I just didn't think that we were going to be here this long. So I didn't see any reason to put them in. Right. You know? So Well, if you still think you might, might move, um, you know, you can pot them. Many, many, many fruit trees can just be grown in pots. I mean, for their whole lives. Um, and then some can be grown in pots and then transferred later, especially your dwarf varieties. And so, you know, especially, especially figs, um, you know, your dwarf apples, dwarf pears, dwarf cherries. I mean, you can really get kind of crazy, and the thing with the pot is you can control, um, you know, what, what goes in there. Um, it's just getting the correct sizing of the pot. So, um, a lot of places like Stark Bros and things like that, they'll tell you what, what size. And so you can just continue to keep up potting it all the way. Um, and so you can still, you know, let's say somebody listening, um, they're like, oh, I'm I'm going to be in this house, you know, for two years and then I have to go. Or let's say in 2019, you said, oh, it's too late to garden, but I could have this. Well, they would have still been growing in that pot. So now here we are 2023 and you would have been getting a harvest. Right. So, but a lot of people are thinking, oh, I got to get it in the ground. Or people are afraid to plant fruit trees in their front yard. And definitely you can do that too. And there's some fruit trees that can tolerate a good bit of shade. It's just going to depend on variety and kind and things like that. So all things to look into. 
Now, I will say one thing that's very neat that I'm going to be trying is, um, oh my gosh, what is the word for that? It's where, okay, the word will come to me because I'm thinking, but it's when you plant, let's say like an apple tree and you plant it on the, on a fence or the side of a building and you run it like grapevines and you run it flat instead of it growing up like a tree, it grows out, um, lengthwise. And when you do this, it, um, uh, it starts with an E. So for everybody listening, because I am like clearly having some type of brain lapse here, I will put it down in the description box if it doesn't come to me by the end of this episode. But, um, when you do that, it's really space saving and it makes it to where your fruits are right there, readily available and you pruning is, you know, pretty easy and aesthetically it is so cool to see. So I don't know if you've, if you've seen anything like that, if not, yes, yes. Thank you. I was like, my brain was going to like explode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And those are so cool. I, yes, they are. But another way to be able to do the fruit trees in a small space, if you can utilize your fences. So I, lo- I loved that. Man, I'm glad that you had that. You had my back there. Uh, so I told everybody that we're in the same area. You're in Southeast Missouri like we are. We're zone 6B. Um, so really, we have a really long growing season and we can do a lot of a lot of those things. So we don't have, we're not very restricted. So if you were to get another place, are you going to stay in the same area? Uh, yeah, we probably will just because my husband, um, his job is here and we, we really, we're in St. Genevieve and we love it here. It's just a beautiful town. The community is incredible. If we decide to public school, the school is great. I actually worked in the school before I became a stay at home mom and, um, all around, it's just a great area. We really like it here. Well, I've never been there, so I definitely will, you know, want to check that out sometime. So... Okay, you're restricted now. Let's say that you're not going to move, okay? What is something that you would really want to do that just wouldn't be feasible? Not necessarily like a milk cow, you know, but like are there plants that you can't do just because of where you are? Um, I mean, honestly... I dream of an avocado tree, and I don't think that is going to do very well in 6B, but that would be, like, my one thing if I were to live somewhere else, I would want to do that, but if we were to stay here, I don't really know if there's anything that I want to grow that we eat a lot that I couldn't grow. I've never tried brassicas, which I really should, but they intimidate me, because everyone always says, like, your soil has to be perfect, the pH has to be perfect. Well, I'm here to tell you that's false. (laughs) the thing that you're going to get that that you're going to get in our area specifically is the pests and the heat so i don't plant them in the spring i know a lot of people do plant them in the spring and next year i will probably be able to have more time because i won't be doing as many animal projects and i will do them super early i mean super early like gotta do them like february But I prefer to do them in the fall because when you're planting them out in mid-August and things like that, it's hot enough for them to germinate, but then it starts to cool down before it's killing off your plants. I mean, just think in 2020, it was 75 degrees on Christmas Day. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it just is so hot that they can't, they struggle and then they bolt. Um, the aphids and stuff are just insane. I combat this with row cover. Um, you can companion plant them in, but I was just suggesting row cover for people who have, like their garden is so small, it's already basically companion planted on its own and they're still having problems utilizing the row cover. 
because they'll still just grow. And so I do my, my cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli. I covered them all and it worked out really, really well. That was the best thing. I couldn't have done anything else. And that's just what I found around here. Another issue is when you do it in the spring is how wet it is and it drowns them out. Um, they need frequent watering, but not the torrential rains that we get. And it, ju they just sit there and they just sop. And I know people say, well, if your soil would drain, well, that's, it's not it. I mean, the Ozarks gets a mass amount of rain that sometimes people just can't fathom. Right. Yes. So I know. I mean, I'm like my mom's area, they get like 40 to 45 inches. And I was like, that is cute. <laughs> so, so it gets, it gets pretty crazy. I would say, um, if you moved, you would have more sun and then you could have a greenhouse in which case you could grow your avocado tree. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, I like to push the limits. Um, one thing that my husband wanted was like pomegranates, which they did create a cultivar of hardy pomegranate, but he wanted that. And we, um, we wanted to do bananas and olives and pepper, like black pepper, um, mm -hmm. and all those things. So the greenhouse, um, we're going to heat it and put those in there. But if we did not have, we have five acres. If we did not have the land, it just wouldn't be feasible because to get a greenhouse of that size, if I only had a quarter acre of land, it would really reduce my exterior growing space too. And for me, we don't have little children like you do. So we're not seeking any type of quote unquote yard. You know, we're not seeking anything of that. Our whole property we hope to have in production, all with silvo pasture, food forest, annual gardens, and the animals just mixed in there. We'll only have just stuff, basically the, the dogs and cats will be able to do as they wish, except for the annual garden. They'll just have a small fenced in area when they can't be, like when they really need to be safe, like they really can't be looked after or people are here. Uh, and so if I had a smaller property, this wouldn't be feasible. So I understand where, where that limits you definitely. Um, so, your husband, since he works all the time, is this of interest to him, or uh, is there anything like, you know, some people say, well, it's mostly me, you know, he's he likes it, but it's not his thing, or sometimes, you know, they're just working out of necessity, but they really want to be home, and sometimes people hope that eventually their, their property would actually generate their income and so both people could be home where are you guys at on that um he it's definitely more like my thing and he's just kind of along for the ride he is the one that is really into meat rabbits that's something he is really interested in and so i told him i was like if that if you want that to be your big project on the homestead go for it like i'll help you as much as i can but like go for it i'm down if you're down um but he he, I think he enjoys working outside of the house. I think he'd go stir crazy if he was home with me. If we had more property and there was more to do, I think he would be fine with, um, you know, full-time income from a homestead. I think he would love that. He really wants, like, a ranch with cattle. And yeah. that's what he wants. I don't have any desire to have, like, a whole ranch of cattle. That is too much for me. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, you're like, I've got enough going on now. And you just lose a toddler 30 acres away. Uh, as, as far as um, the social media, how does he feel about you sharing things on, on social media? Or why did you decide to start social media? Um, I really just started it for fun, honestly, last summer. Um, I was like, well, because, like, I had a lot of family that was like, well, how's your garden? And so I was like, well, here, you can check it out. I posted it on TikTok or whatever. And he doesn't mind that I share it. Now that I've gotten a little bit more of a following, his, like, he's a volunteer firefighter as well. So the guys in the fire crew will be like, hey, what's going on at the homestead? Or, like, he just started a new position at his work a couple weeks ago. 
and they're like, hey, when's the homestead wife going to send in cookies? Like, you've been here for two weeks, and we haven't gotten anything from the homestead yet. (laughs) (laughs) He's really good about it. He's very supportive, and he's awesome. Well, that's fantastic. My husband falls into the... He works so much now that he can't really do anything here, and so it's a... um, you know, it's like not, he he can't focus here working as much as he does. And so he's working out of necessity because he actually um, has other passions that he w- would like to do here. Um, and we did, you know, we do this podcast <clears throat> together. He's been absent from some episodes, like I was telling you, because sometimes we have to record during the day and he's at work. Um and so he listens to everything and, um, he'll be joining us again, uh, soon in some upcoming episodes. But I, we, I think everybody knows we, you know, we do try to generate some things. We've got the small hatchery. Um, we went through the steps to be able to ship poultry. Um, you know, we do have dairy goats, we have pigs, uh, we have the, the rabbits. We don't just have meat rabbits. We also have um, some dwarf breeds that would be more for like show or for pet. Um, they all produce the fertilizer though, which is the huge thing for me. Um, and then also I do the, the classes on meat rabbits and permaculture and things like that. And trying to just share and educate and build that community with people to grow food. So that's a huge thing for me. And we also share that on social media. And my husband was leery about the social media at first, um, because you're putting a lot of your business out there. Um, and yeah. so I really try to watch, you know, I don't, I don't say everything on there, but you know, the, the people have really, it's built a community, you know, the same people messaging and commenting all the time. You build these friendships with people all over the world and it's fantastic. And this, this podcast has really helped that too. I mean, we, we were talking to people from the Netherlands, you know, I mean, this stuff was just, just blows my mind constantly. Um, what is, what would you say is like the top thing that you're going to focus your energy on to learn new this year? Uh, this year I really would like to one master homestead, well, I mean not master, but really improve homesteading with a newborn and a toddler. I think that's going to be my biggest feat this year. We're due in the beginning of June, so she'll be a month and a half old whenever canning season really takes off when all my tomatoes are really producing. So really just learning how to juggle the homestead and being a wife and a mom. I think that is something I'm really going to struggle with or just really have to learn to handle. And then I also really want to, I love sourdough. I hate the time that sourdough takes. I feel like it takes forever, but I really want to, just keep working on that. Do more and stuff like that. So will you be trying to do like freezer meals for yourself and stuff like that in advance? Yes. I have done a few freezer meals and actually it's supposed to be pretty cool this weekend. So I'm going to bust out my pressure canner and hopefully get some like uh, beef stew, taco soup, stuff pressure canned that I can just pop open and make while Ryan's at work and I need to eat, or Maggie can eat. I haven't really done a ton of pressure canned meals, so that'll be something new for me that I'm excited to try. Um, But I think it'll be really beneficial to be able to just open something up, throw it on the stove, and there's it'll take like five minutes, you know? Yeah, that's going to be huge. And I would like, so this year, I would like to do the homemade TV dinners. Oh, yeah. I saw some little uh, reusable compartment things, and so I thought to myself, well, you know, I can make up a big batch of the meatloaf or do my mini meatloafs, and then, so I put one of those in there and then make up a big thing of mashed potatoes and then, you know, the beans or corn or whatever I'm doing, and then I'll, you know, seal those up. Um, and I'm like, that's literally, that's banquet. <laughs> like the, yeah. That's, you know what they do. And I said, so I can try some things. I, um, like the, I have done homemade popcorn chicken and homemade chicken nuggets and they're so good. 
So I would like to get those things. We have the food challenge um, that's coming up. And so I'm like, let's get these. Now, we don't have a ton of freezer space. So they're mostly going to be for me in, you know, my lunchtime when I'm, because I'm always out, you know, trying to do something. There's some projects, some planting, whatever, because he's gone. Um, and for him to take to to work and stuff. But I have to do it still based off of the challenge as well. So that's going to be, it'll be a pickle. But I'm hoping yep. to be able to can, like you said, some of those soups and stews and things like that instead of just the ingredients, moving more into the meals. I definitely never claim to be a canning expert. For sure. I never claim that. And all the things that I do know, um, being an expert canner is not one of those things. I will, you know, proficient, but not <laughs> not yeah. like some of these ladies. Some of these ladies are, it blows my mind what they can push out yes. in, in a day and come up with. It's crazy. Um, dehydrating is my, my favorite thing ever. I would dehydrate down absolutely anything possible in this life if I could. <laughs> so have you thought about um, investing in a freeze dryer? I have thought about it um, since we are one income. It's not high on our priority list. We would love to do that. But right now, just financially, it's not something that um, I think would make sense for us. They're outrageous. They, they can be pretty pricey. I told my mom, I said, if you lived closer, we could, you know, split this up. Yeah. You know, because my sister was supposed to come closer. I'm like, let's split this three, four ways. And then we can just, you know, centralize location. We can all use it and work out good. So I would say um, on sourdough, I actually, I've been focusing on trying to grow grains and getting the seeds for grains to make bread traditionally because I know sourdough is sustainable. I know it's amazing. I personally, there's something about it that I'm not a huge fan. So I'm still working on A, loving it, and B, being able to do all the fancy frills and all that stuff with it. Yeah, my dad, he is not a big sourdough person. I'll be like, Dad, look, I brought you I brought you guys bread. And he's like, is it sourdough? Yeah, he's like, give it to your mom. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's just something I can't describe. Basically. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but he understands. Because people who get it, get it. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's just like the cilantro thing. Like, some people love cilantro. Some people think it tastes like soap. <laughs> yes. So, <clears throat> what are your opinions on, you know, because you've got a toddler, you are you know, about to bring another baby into the world, you're on one income, um, and looking to, uh, you know, move forward. And I know you have some, you have pets. So my thought is, what is your opinion on the inflation and stuff like that? Have you guys considered doing anything off grid? Are you concerned about that? Um, we, I mean, obviously, we're concerned about inflation. We're a one-income family with two littles. But um, we actually, this year, made our big main goal to debt snowball. So at the beginning of this year, we paid off both of our vehicles. And our only outstanding debt is our mortgage. Um, That's huge. So that was, it is huge. It is huge. We paid off um, like a little over $6,000 in vehicle debt, which is a huge chunk at once. But now... You know, that's an extra $800 a month that we have in case of emergency. And I've just been taking the money that we have from our vehicle payments or that we would have paid towards our vehicles and putting it in savings so that we have it in case we need it. Um, and we're very fortunate that my husband's job is, knock on wood, very stable. So I'm not too concerned about him losing his job. Um, but we would definitely, in a perfect world, love to be able to sustain ourselves off grid if it came to it. Um, but realistically in our city, they have a lot of restrictions about being off grid. Yeah. And I think a lot of the cities do in Missouri because in the count, in the counties, it's like a free for all. Yeah. So it's like one extreme to the other. Um, the reason I ask 
you know, about those things is because, you know, there are things that of course are easier if you're just, you know, flipping on the light switch or, you know, just turning on the faucet. Um, you know, like you kind of said in your questions, you don't have to source water. You don't have to deal with the cost of solar and things like that. And a lot of people want to go off grid, but I do encourage everybody to figure out why you want to go off grid because if it's just financial, then that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's a big thing with homesteading is if you want to homestead because you want to save money, you're getting into it for the wrong reasons. Yes. You should at that point possibly, um, you know, do some volunteering, some bartering, um, venture down the whole for-profit agritourism, hobby farm type sector. Yes. Uh, but homesteading, as far as, you know, your own needs, for sure. I mean, it's it's a pit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But the health benefits outweigh there. So, you know, it's hit or miss. Um, so what, I, I won't take up your whole time here because we're about to end up on, end a nap. So what three tips do you have for people in a small space or growing in a small space? Um, you know, with homesteading in an urban environment in general, whatever. Um, I would say definitely if you're able to have chickens and you would utilize chicken products to do that, they are pretty, during the summer, we don't really have to supply a lot of grain. Our girls are very good at foraging. Um, and we, we get a lot, we have, um, 10 laying hens and we get a lot of eggs. And with that, I would say, of course, I would love to have uh, an incredible flock of birds that I know are going to be great moms and, you know, are known for having great offspring. But realistically, since we can't have a ton of chickens, productivity is more important to me than them being a good mom. And I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because too often people are afraid to get high production birds and they're wanting pretty birds or birds that go broody and that's that's not what you're looking for if you can only have nine or ten right exactly we yeah yes um and then we talked about vertical growing uh, that is something that i'm really trying to get into this year just so i can utilize the little bit of sun that we have um i actually just saw i didn't I knew that it was a thing, but I'd never seen it done where people will grow their zucchini vertically. Yes. So, um, my mom and I are going to try that in her garden this year since I, I've accounted for all of my space. So I don't have room for zucchini, but she does grow a bed of zucchini. So we're going to try it out at her house. Um, and then lastly, I would just say to use any space you can. Like you said, don't be afraid to plant fruit trees in your front yard. Like the last two years, I've really taken our flower beds and turn them into planting space. So we had a flower bed on the side of our house and right now it's growing garlic and then part of it is growing onions. And then the front this year, I'm just gonna take my two big flower beds and make them um, basically herb gardens. I'm gonna put all my herbs out there. I'm gonna grow some chamomile, you know, some pretty things. Right, and and that's the thing, just to make it pretty. Yes. And then people seem to leave you alone in the front yard um and I know a lady who she turned her whole front yard into flowers and people were fine with that because it was pretty but it's actually her business is her cut flowers oh yeah yeah I thought that that was pretty cool I was like that's creative I um where can people is, are you just under Quarter Acre Homestead on what platforms and do you have any type of posting schedule or anything like that? Um, right now, I don't have a posting schedule just because life is a little crazy. I'm 33 weeks pregnant. We're trying to get the house <laughs> ready for the baby. Um, but I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and uh, I just started on YouTube. Not too much going out there yet, but we're trying to do some bigger things. But yeah, everything's under Quarter Acre Homestead. I will have all the links in the description box of this video, as well as in our Facebook group, Homestead Happenings with BB Podcast. Join in over there, and we usually have all the links there, as well as pictures. 
and then the description box of this. Um, we had some issues with the website, but don't worry, that will be back up shortly. And I would like to remind everybody of a couple things. Um, one, Indiana Homesteading Conference, their tickets are on sale now. You can go to their website. I will link that below. I am a speaker there on fodder for your livestock. And I would love for everybody to be in there. We will be touching on permaculture and all those things. And there is a ton of other speakers, including Joel Salatin. So definitely, um, if you can jump in there, it is in just outside Indianapolis. Then also I am now enrolling for the intro to permaculture. These are going to be small group classes. You will bring your questions. If you have questions that are property specific, I will take your location in advance and we'll be covering things on a, on a kind of group personal level, um, for permaculture, sustainable crops and livestock for your area, gardening, water, all kinds of things. It is $15 and you can, um, email me, you can message me on social media or also my phone number. I will include the flyer on the Facebook group. And then I will include the information down here in the description box. If you see that on your social media, if you would share that with friends, that would be greatly appreciated. We have a goal for the class. And so hopefully we will get enough attendees for that class. Fortunately, Mary's heirloom seeds being the wonderful person that she is, she is donating seeds and there'll be a free seed giveaway, um, in each class. There'll also be a free planting guide provided by Mary's heirloom seeds given to every attendee, as well as a discount code for Mary's heirloom seed.com for anything that she's got there on her website. And of course, she's got all kinds of social media. You can follow and get tips, tricks, and everything as well. So I love that. If you're choosing to buy seeds or anything and you are excited to garden or you want your own bean tower, enter code DREAMWEAVERS for 10% off, $20 or more in the coupon box on marysheirloomseeds.com. So on that note, let's learn, let's grow, let's go. Thanks for being with us, Katie. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to chat.